You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers, and Gil is the host of Locked On NHL, and he writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Uh, Gil, Thanks for joining me tonight. We're going to have a good time. We're going to talk, talk about uh, Sammy Watkins. We're going to talk about uh, what the coaches said to the media today. Um, our listeners can't see you nodding. That I think <laughs> They might think I'm just monologuing to myself here. No, um, no, I'm here. I'm here. We're good. We're good. And then, uh, but you know what? I, I, did I, did I, last week, did I do a little segment that was like um, uh, admitting JJ messes up or something like that or apologizing or, or calming JJ down, something like that? I don't recall that. All right. I think I forgot to do that. You remember Coach Hahn, our good friend Coach Hahn. I do. Before. Uh, I was talking to him about uh, our offensive line guys. Had a really good chat with him. I was asking him about uh, David Bakhtiari, about Elton Jenkins. And you know the the two things with with those guys that I bring up all the time. First is it, it, both of them. It has to do with their ACL tears. I keep bringing up that I don't know when we're going to get Elton back. Is he even going to play this season? Are we going to get him? You know, halfway through the season? Is he going to? You know what? What's that timetable going to look like? And Coach Hahn told, basically told me I'm being silly, and he thinks that no question about it. He expects Elton to be ready week three this year. So that's, that's a very encouraging. specific answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but you know that the listen, he's an offensive line coach. Yeah. Dude knows his offensive line, um, you know, and, and he was uh, talking about how okay, Bakhtiari's road to recovery was not super typical. And, and also Elton is younger. Yeah. And then, you know, and the, other, the thing about Bakhtiari that I bring up all the time is, I don't know, number one, like how much how much tread he's got left on the tires. And number two, like how much is this injury going to affect him in the long term in the long run? Right. Well, that's the bigger question now. Now that the 2021 season is history, yeah. uh, the Packers, you know, that you've heard the Packers talking all off season about the need to add to the to the tackle room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder whether part of that is due to uh, Bakhtiari's age, number one, and number two, doubts about how quickly and how well he'll come back, whether it's this season or beyond. And remember also, uh, after 2022, his cap hit goes up dramatically in 2023 and 2024. So not that there probably isn't a way to restructure it and keep him uh, possibly, but uh, I don't want to be paying Bakhtiari at age 31 or 32, $24 million in a cap hit uh, and Unless paying Aaron Rodgers 50, you know? Right, so. right, right. For sure. So, so that was the other thing I talked to coach Han about. And I just said, 
what do you think? You know, is at his age, is he ever going to fully recover from this ACL tear? Is he going to ever be back to who he was? Coach Juan, not even 1% concerned. He's like, good. Bakhtiari is, he is just that kind of caliber of player. He is going to be fine. He's going to fully heal. He's going to be back to who he is. He's got a lot of tread left on the tires, a lot of years left playing at a high level. You don't need to start thinking of him as an old man yet, even though I have certainly been tempted to view him that way <laughs> since the injury. But he's like, no, I, I don't think you realize just how good Bakhtiari is and um, you know, just, just the caliber of player that he is. Don't stress about it was Coach Hahn's message. So uh, certainly going to be um, a topic we're going to talk about over the next couple of years is his cap hit over, you know, as it goes up. But from just a standpoint of can he still be our left tackle going forward? Smarter minds than mine have said, chill out. Don't worry about it. So I hope so, because when, when we last saw David Bakhtiari healthy, mm-hmm. uh, he was the best pass blocking tackle in the game. Uh-huh. And, 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 he, and he had learned and he had learned how to run block, which is something that just was not really taught in Green Bay prior to Matt LaFleur getting here. They didn't emphasize run blocking and LaFleur got here and said, listen, glad that you have the pass blocking down, Pat. We got to work on your run blocking. And Bakhtiari is a smart, hardworking player. And he's like, oh, you want me to learn this? Boom. Got it. Yep. And, and he did it well. And, you know, you know, one thing I noticed going through uh, doing some of my draft prep and team needs I think every single Packers offensive lineman graded out better as a pass blocker this past oh, year oh, absolutely. than as a run blocker. Absolutely. Spot and, on. Yeah. And, and you know, part of me is just saying we need one guy who's just going to knock people back, you know, just be that that great, you know, run blocker who, who we can run behind uh, on third and one or fourth and one when we need yeah. that, you know, that – Short gain, but you really want to have it in your back pocket. Well, it, uh, so Coach Hong came on my other podcast, Cheese and Packers, and I had him just talking about the offensive lineman in this draft that he really likes for the Packers from a scheme fit. And Coach Hong, you know, he's offensive line is like his DNA, and mm-hmm. he he crushes hard on guys who can run block really well. So that was definitely his priority. For that reason, he really liked Trevor Penning a ton, really fell in love with Tyler Linderbaum. He liked Kenyon Green. Those three guys, you know, he he, he just he can't shut up about them, which is nice. Uh, and, and he's just over the moon about what fantastic run blockers they are. I think if the Packers add one of those, it could be transformational for this offensive line. And I asked him, I said, OK, well, Tyler Linderbaum is uh, everybody says like, you know, you got to play him at center, right? And Coach Hahn is like, okay, yeah, or you stick him at guard and he'll right. be an unbelievable guard like Elton Jenkins is an unbelievable guard. And I'm like, all right, you know what? I say if Tyler Linderbaum is there at 22, which he shouldn't be, I think he should be drafted before that. But if he's there at 22, you take him and then you figure out where to stick Myers and Linderbaum later because they could both fit on the offensive line. So, who, who does a better job at center? Who does a better job at right guard? That is a good problem to have. And you don't worry about that in April. You worry about that in August. Yeah. In August. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and then and then if Elton Jenkins is healthy, you've got three capable players who could play center if need be. Oh my gosh. Just think oh, just think about it. Just picture this for a second. You got Elton at left guard. Well, okay. Yeah, I, I, all right. That, that's the question though, is who plays right tackle? Because uh I, I really love Yash as our swing tackle. I don't know. I want to stick him at right tackle full time, especially if you have Elton available. So, you know, are they going to draft Linderbaum and a tackle? I don't know. You, you need you need somebody to play tackle. You do. And uh, tackle being the premium position, Elton, uh, you know, he has, what, one year left on his contract. So uh, they have to re-sign him. Um, well, yeah. And, and so, you know, that plays into it, too, is it, if you could draft a tackle and keep Elton on the interior and pay him, as a guard, instead of paying him tackle money, that would help you out. It would, but he's going to ask for tackle money anyway, uh, as I believe you said last week. And I I think, but what, what it does allow you to do most likely is compromise where you say, okay, we envisioned him as a guard. We know he can play tackle. We'll give him a little bit more than typical guard money, but a little bit less than typical Mm -hmm, tackle money. mm -hmm. And you, you, you meet in the middle and you, you make a deal. All right, so here's one move left the Packers have to make. They need to sign another tackle. Now, whether Swing that's tackle. bringing back Dennis Kelly or whoever, you need to have one more tackle body on the roster before mm-hmm. you head into the draft. I, I, I really, or maybe maybe after the draft. But but here, here's my point: is your plan cannot be oh we will find our tackle in the draft because. If you're the Packers, you need the flexibility. And they did that today with uh, Sammy Watkins. They brought in Sammy Watkins. And um, what Sammy gives you is a really good baseline level of talent to where if you need to go out and play a football game, you have the bodies to do it. You have competent, capable bodies who can go out there and play a football game for you, win games for you. And that gives you the flexibility that, listen, if there is a wide receiver there, available at your pick that you love, that you think is a, a great prospect, you take him. But if there's not yet, now you're not forced to reach for a crappy wide receiver with one of your premium picks. That, that flexibility is really key in allowing the Packers to get the most out of their draft picks and stock up the most talent possible for this roster. And listen, you and I both said a hundred times, Everybody calm down. They're going to sign a veteran. <laughs> well, look. And, and Sammy Watkins was at the top of the list of guys that I kept pitching. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's there. And look, the, my biggest concern with Sammy Watkins is the guy just can't stay healthy. Uh, if he's healthy, he's been productive. But he has only played a full season of games one time, and that was his rookie year uh, back in, what was it, 2014 with Buffalo since then 13 games, eight games, 14 games, nine games, 13 games. You know, we're not getting a full 16 or now 17 games out of him, Man, but I think who's, who does I, that sound like, Oh, Devante, Devante. <laughs> That's who that sounds like. Yeah. The production think- doesn't quite match, but look, here's, here's what I like to, to me. Sammy Watkins does a couple of things. Number one, you get the speed uh, on a short-term basis, at least, to replace MVS to an extent. 
Number two, you got a guy who has experience working with Matt LaFleur, working with Vrabel, uh, who he worked with in Buffalo. So he's a little familiar with the offense. He's a little familiar with some of his coaches. That's a plus. Um, he's already worked with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. So adding Aaron Rodgers to that list isn't a bad thing. He's got decent speed. He's got experience. He he and Randall Cobb and probably to a lesser extent, Alan Lazard can mentor some of these young receivers when mm-hmm. the Packers do draft them. My only concern about Watkins is will he stay healthy enough to contribute Get, get, give me 14, 15 games from this guy, and I think, you know, I'll be pretty happy. Um, but he is definitely not a wide receiver one. Uh, okay, all right. Well, well yeah. Let's, he's let's, a wide receiver two or three. To me, he is probably a, a, bit, a more consistent version with not quite as much speed as MVS. All right, but let's take a step back because I – Judging by how social media has reacted, which is different than how you and I have reacted, I think there's a good segment of our listening listener base who are freaking out and losing their minds over this move because that's what social media did uh, all day on Thursday once the uh, the uh, idea was even floated that he was coming in for a visit. Everybody was so upset. Why Sammy Watkins? I want a DK Metcalf. So let's let's just take a step back. Take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Is is Sammy Watkins uh, Devonta Adams? Is he your number one X receiver? No, he's not. And that's not going to be the plan. And that's fine. Let's talk about the good things that Watkins does provide here. Because right now we have a lot of listeners who are really upset over this and and they really don't need to be because the Sammy Watkins signing is a good thing for the Packers. It's Agreed. not a bad thing. So let's, let's talk about uh, what role he's going to fill here. What's the benefit of having him and what other moves are left to be made? Cause we know the Packers based off of uh, Mark Murphy's comments are planning on drafting <laughs> a wide receiver or maybe multiple wide receivers in this draft. We, we know that because mm-hmm. he's talked about it twice. The idea that they were going to bring in a veteran of Sammy Watkins caliber, that was baked in. You and I were 1000% confident that a move exactly like this was coming. Yep. Did we know it was going to be Sammy Watkins specifically? No, but we knew it was, it was one of a handful of, maybe three or four guys max. And one of the names on that list that made the most sense was Sammy Watkins. Yep. You could throw out your Julio Jones if you want to, but he was going to be probably a lot more money and we'll see where he ends up signing. I think that AJ green was in that mix, especially given that the second, you know, basically like 25, 25 minutes after the Sammy Watkins signing was announced. AJ Green agreed to terms to go back to Arizona again. So I think AJ Green was in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy that you would throw out there as maybe your option is Will Fuller. And if you're comparing Sammy Watkins and Will Fuller, a lot of the same injury concerns, but now you've also got these new character concerns with Will Fuller uh, where, you know, he's had uh, a lot of missed time due to suspension He's had a similar uh, amount of injury um, missed time as Sammy Watkins. 
And the fact that Sammy Watkins was dirt cheap. I, so the, it was originally reported that this was a one year, $4 million deal. Uh, it's not entirely accurate because now we're hearing it's a one year deal worth up to $4 million. Right. So it's probably vet minimum with some incentives built in. And given who Sammy Watkins is, I'm just throwing this out there. Here's my prediction. Those incentives are how many games are you going to play? <laughs> That's what I think. I think that if he plays all 17 games or maybe even, you, you know, you, you, you set um, a, a reachable bar of like 15 games. If you play 15 games, you get the four, the full 4 million. If you don't, then, you know, we're talking vet minimum plus, you know, uh, a little bit extra here or there for the amount of games you do. Mm -hmm. So that's my prediction for what that looks like. And here's what Sammy Watkins brings to the table. Okay. We have a bunch of guys on our roster who can play slot receiver. And then we got uh, two guys who could be on the boundary. You got Al Lazard and uh, Malik Taylor. Is it Malik Taylor? I always, yeah, it's Malik Taylor. The fact that we had Malik Taylor and Malik Turner on the roster like two or three years ago at the exact same time still messes me up to this day, even though only Malik Taylor has been here for the last two years. It yeah, still messes me up. I always got to, you know, think about which last name I got to say. Those are your only boundary guys. Sammy Watkins adds that dynamic. He's not a bad player. If you're looking at stats, by the way. He had more receptions on fewer targets than MVS last year yep. and a very comparable number of yards. Um, and MVS is making 12 freaking million dollars a year for the next three years. We're giving Sammy Watkins up to 4 million. Dude, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, if he can be two thirds of what MVS was, and by the way, he was well over two thirds of what MVS was last year. We absolutely upgraded here by spending less money for the same amount of production. So, um, no question. And, and you know what Sammy Watkins uh has? He's got uh, he's got decent hands. I would say better hands than what MVS has had historically. Mhm. Mm Last year he had a little bit of a fumbling and drop issue that was kind of new for him, doesn't uh do that a ton. Um it was also a bit of a down year for him last year grade-wise. But we got to you know, factor in that he went from having Patrick Mahomes thrown to him to Lamar Jackson and mm, trying to be nice here, but none of those receivers really looked good uh, last year having Lamar Jackson throw to him outside of Mark Andrews. Uh, Rashad Bateman, the highly touted rookie that every Packer fan wanted in the draft last year, uh, graded out worse than Sammy Watkins had. Uh, one touchdown on the season. Uh, Mark Andrews was the only productive player on the whole roster from a receiving standpoint. Uh, Hollywood Brown was in second place and he was, you know, just pretty much rubbing shoulders with Sammy Watkins in most stat columns and grade columns. So, uh, he, he was, he was wide receiver two behind tight end Mark Andrews. Uh, but Sammy Watkins was sniffing his heels at wide receiver three. Um, I, I'm just saying you can be upset about what he did last year. I'm just saying nobody did well last year uh, for the Ravens receiving course. So, and um, I, I think the other thing you have to remember is this, this is a very low risk move yeah. and it's a bridge. Yeah. He it's a one year contract. So that does not in my mind preclude 
the Packers from drafting a similar type player, maybe not in the first round, maybe even in the first round, but you then give him a year to develop and learn and not be counted on to do a lot. You let Watkins do it. If Watkins plays very well and he's a perfect fit, you can always re-sign him. If not, you move on. You have your rookie who then becomes Mm -hmm. a second-year man in place. And, you know, he fills his intended purpose as that bridge guy who keeps the seat warm, gives you, you know, a, a serviceable quality wide receiver two or wide receiver three. And and gets you from, you know, where you were with Devontae and MVS to where you're going to with whoever it is, whether it's via free agency trade or the draft or most likely some combination of that, you know, those options. Where are you going to be in 2023? I, I, I think Watkins is at the very least the bridge that gets you from where you were to where you want to be. Yeah. And they're going to bring in at least one more guy. Yeah. We we lost two wide receivers this offseason. You got to bring in at least two um, to replace those. They're going to be fine at wide receiver. They really will. I, I understand folks have a lot of concern. You don't need to be concerned. You don't need to freak out. You're, it's going to be fine. And with the Sammy Watkins signing and how ticked off everybody is, just want to point out two names that uh, people were really ticked off about uh, last year. And you and I came on the podcast and said, take a breath. Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas have more to them than meets the eye. We talked about Devondre Campbell in the, in the, um, I think it was after OTAs is when we started talking about him. Yep. And saying, you know, he has the skill set to be a really, really, really good player. And everybody was upset because they, they, you know, they, they wanted a guy with a big name. Um, although Devondre Campbell has a lot of letters in his name, so maybe that counts. <laughs> He's even got an apostrophe. Um, and then with Rasul Douglas, I mean, people wanted to launch him into the sun. Why? Because Stefan Gilmore was available for for a trade that very week, and everybody was so mad because the Panthers got him for what? I think a fifth round pick or something. Yeah. Rasul yeah. Douglas had a better year than Stefan Gilmore. Yep. And and. The, here, here's here's our here's my point. We're just telling you the Sammy Watkins signing is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. No, there is no scenario at all in which them signing Sammy Watkins precludes them from getting a wide receiver that you like that they would have gotten had they not gotten Sammy Watkins. You know why? Because uh, that uh, free agent wide receiver list that we've gone over a couple times. It doesn't have names that you like. I'll just tell you that right now. You're looking at Cole Beasley. Uh, here's the full list. Another Cole slot Beasley. guy. Uh, Jarvis Landry's out there. You know, I like him, but every time I mention him, Twitter loses their minds and says, oh, he, he's just a slot guy. We don't need a slot guy. He's always hurt. And he's overrated. Okay, fine. We'll scratch Jarvis Landry off the list. Um, Emmanuel Sanders. I don't want him. He's 35 years old. Whew. Give me Sammy Watkins. He's 27 or 28. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want Keelan Cole? Do you know who that is? Do you know what team he <laughs> even played for? Alan Hearns. These are the guys available in, in free agency right now. You want OBJ? Oh, that's right. You don't want him because uh, he has uh, an ACL tear and he's going to miss, you know, the first half of the season. So at uh, least so this is what I'm saying, man. The Sammy Watkins is, is signing is a good thing. If they were ever going to go try and trade for DK Metcalf, 
which I don't think they were ever going to try it. I'm just telling you, signing Sammy Watkins impacts that 0%. Correct. And, and, you know, here's the other thing that I think fans have to remember. You're not going to get, and you're not going to be able to spend, uh, you know, big money at every position. There are certain positions that you want to get good value at, where you get a, a serviceable, good player. Doesn't have to. I mean, once in a while, you'll hit the jackpot, and the Packers hit it twice, as you mentioned last year with Campbell and Douglas. But you know, l- let's even say that Devondre Campbell, who signed a one-year, two-point-five million-dollar contract last year, played the same way he did for the first five years of his career. It mm-hmm. still would have been a good signing. It wouldn't have been this amazing deal that it turned out to be, but it still would have been the right move. This is not fantasy football. You're building a football team, not a fantasy football team. And (laughs) you're not always able to add the best player available in at every position because of the salary cap. So you got to be judicious about it. There are certain positions you emphasize more. There are certain players who are role players, and Sammy Watkins is not being brought in here to be a star. He's being brought in here to play a role, to give the Packers uh, consistency and experience at a position where they are lacking depth and talent right now. Mm -hmm. And at the very least, he's your bridge between what you had and what you're going to become at the position. It's a low risk signing that can only give you benefits and the worst thing that happens, let, let's say, you know, and we don't wish this on him, but let's say he gets injured in training camp and doesn't play. That's the worst case scenario. Paid him pennies. Yeah, that's the worst case scenario. And then you stash him, you know, on, on IR and that's the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and hey, you know, wide receiver is the fun, flashy position that people like. Um, and, and I get that. And you want to have cool, exciting players there. I get that. That's fine. But let me, let me just pitch to you. Let's say that who do Packer fans like? Oh, Chris Olave and Christian Watson. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that. Let's say that pick 22 is Chris Olave and pick 28 is, is Christian Watson. I don't think either of those things are going to happen, but let's just say that's what happens. Okay. Okay. You know, who's still going to have a massive role in this receiving game this year is Aaron Jones. Yeah. He very well in that scenario still might be your wide receiver one this season. I, I just I'm, I'm just telling you to watch out for it. He's going to be a massive part of the receiving game that has happened every single time that Devonte has been out in the LaFleur area or era. And, and it's it's pretty well documented at this point. We've won every single game where we didn't have Devonte in the LaFleur era so far. So I'm just saying and that's like that's what seven games We're seven and no, I think. It's not a small sample size. The offense works. You need role players. And one of the role players, one of the roles that we didn't have after we lost MVS was that speedy guy. And I have heard people on Twitter saying, well, Sammy Watkins is he's not as fast as he was anymore. Yeah, I'm sure he runs a seven four forty time now, right? <laughs> uh, total bum. Kick him to the curb. All right. That's enough, Sammy Watkins. Let's talk about the uh, the coaches. So we have a bunch of new coaches on the team. Um, you and I listened to different guys talking. I caught 
uh, John Dunn, the new tight end coach. I listened to Luke Butkus, our new uh, offensive line coach. One of the things with Butkus that cracked me up was, and he's been asked about this before. I think I think uh, Larry McCarran asked him uh, right after he got the the job, but uh, <laughs> they were asking him like, "Well, how much is you know how are things going to change?" And, and I know when McCarran had asked him that, Butkus's answer was something to the effect of like. Oh yeah, we finally got that bum Steno out of there. Now he can't be messing around with the offensive line anymore. <laughs> but then, you know, after he quits joking around, he's like, uh, "I'm gonna be honest. Like, there's a a bit of a pay increase for me, and I have some more responsibilities, but nothing's changing, man. Like, it was always a group effort. Steno and me and Hackett were always working on the offensive line. Still gonna be Steno and me working on the offensive line." You know, you still got your your player coaches, Bakhtiari and and Jenkins, and nothing's going to change. It, you know, sometimes you want it to be like a, a big flashy answer, but Buckus is one of those guys who's just going to give it to you straight and be like, straight you know, to the point. Media and the fans think this is a big deal. Uh, it's nice to get the title. That's cool. Love it. Glad they like me enough to do that. But uh, it's going to be business as usual. We're going to keep working on what we've been working on guys are going to keep growing and improving uh who else did we hear from jason vrabel who name dropped sammy watkins like three times this is before they even brought him in for a workout (laughs) or for a visit uh because jason vrabel what what team would this have been but uh, the bills he was so he was a wide receiver coach for the bills i guess when they drafted sammy watkins he was a quality control coach quality control yeah all right well well, uh, Vrabel's verbiage, the way he worded it is he said, I drafted Sammy Watkins. And he he highlighted that, I think, twice. And obviously he was not the GM, but this is a dude that he he liked Sammy in college. And when he was talking about the kind of need that they had on this roster, when he was describing what he wanted, he mentioned Sammy Watkins' name three times. So... Um, you know, it was a happy day for Rabel when they did that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and then Steno let it slip, you know, let it slip. I think Gutekunz is, might be the only person in the world who is upset with him for this. Uh, let it slip that he really wants them to add, uh, a guy or two in the draft along the offensive line. So I think that's going to happen. And that makes me happy because, you know, I've been harping on that, on that for a while, but Steno said they need some bodies. Didn't uh, did Jerry Montgomery say the same thing about? I think he said he wants a yeah. He said he wants a, a third down pass rusher. Yes, from the he, interior line. Yeah, yeah. He 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 said that uh, they need that in the draft this year. So watch for that. That'll be interesting. Uh, Rich Bisaccia was talking about what he needs. He talked about how <laughs> so punter Pat O'Donnell was a guy that when he was with the uh, Oakland Raiders, not the Las Vegas Raiders, we're talking like four years ago when he was with the Oakland Raiders, Mm -hmm. that he was pushing hard to get them to bring in Pat O'Donnell. And then basically as soon as he gets the job here, Goody's like, all right, sure, I'll go get Pat. So, And and you look at that and uh, Keyshawn Nixon, who played for Bisaccia in Vegas. I'm telling you, man, Bisaccia has um, Goody's ear. And, and when he, he says, I need a player that can do this, I need this specific guy, Goody says, all right, we're, do, we're doing it. Finally. Well, because Well, you know, you know what? This is one of the nice benefits of having a guy like Pisaccia in there who 
you know, you got a head coach as your special teams coach. And this is a guy who does not take no for an answer. Very authoritative. This is a difference between uh, mild mannered young Mo Drayton, who nobody would listen to last year and who I don't think was qualified for his job. Basaccia, I'm just saying this is this is really nice. If uh, if we finally have a special teams unit like a real one this year, I don't think it's going to be a coincidence. Get, just get me. Get me to the middle of the pack. Get me yeah. somewhere between 12 and 20 in the league in special teams, and yeah. I'll be happy. Yep. Uh, give, me, give me 19, and I won't complain. Well, that's between 12 and 20. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yep. I, 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 I'm not greedy. I don't need to have top five, top 10. Just get me in the middle of the pack. And, you know, look, it, it was interesting to note the difference in tone between Mo Drayton and Basaccia, Basaccia was more emotional. He spoke in more generalities where Drayton was very specific last year when answering people's questions in press conferences, but it didn't translate on the field. So Basaccia has two decades of experience as a special teams coordinator. Uh, in fact, he's been doing it so long, they didn't even call it special teams coordinator when he took over the position. It was still <laughs> special teams coach. But uh, to me, adding him and giving him the authority to bring in some players mm -hmm. uh, shows that maybe, just maybe, this team is going to be serious enough about special teams to put some resources toward it. And I'll say this. I don't think we necessarily draft a long snapper or draft a special teams player, but on day three of the draft, I guarantee you Basaccia has input into one or two of the guys we pick with a design to have him play special teams. You know, it may be a choice between two or three guys with our fifth or sixth round pick and Basaccia says, no, this is the guy out of those three that would help me the most on special teams. And they pick that player instead of the other two. Yeah. You know, um, remind me this week, shoot me a text and make sure that I actually follow up on this homework. I got to get a list from uh pack daddy. Uh, he, he put together a list of the guys in this draft who have the best special teams grades in college. Uh, that'd be fun to look at next week. Um, you know, when you think of, of special teams in the draft, the first name that comes to mind is Vilas Jones Jr. Mm -hmm. uh, very accomplished returner. I, I think this is a guy who, you know, his position says wide receiver. I don't think there's really any role for him on offense. I, I just don't see it. I think you draft him to be a return specialist. Uh, and But, you know, wh whether it's him or somebody else, I think, I think Masachi is going to be pounding the table and saying, listen, you pay me a bunch of money. You drag me to Green Bay. I'm not going to tarnish my reputation as a special teams coach by going out there with subpar players and doing a subpar job. Get me the tools I need to do my job because that's why you brought me here. So I, I think, uh, yeah, that, that'll be fun to look at uh, next week. Who else? Uh, Steno. Steno. We talked to Steno. Um, this one was frustrating to me and, and you and I, I, you let me vent before we started recording. I did. This, so I did. I won't vent to our audience that much, but I just was very, very disappointed to hear, uh, Steno talked about the decision to play Billy Turner at left tackle over Yash Nyman against the 49ers. 
we have been talking for a long time about maybe Yash was injured. And part of that was based on uh, there's an iPhone video of Aaron Rodgers on the street in Green Bay talking about Yash just a day or two before the 49ers game and saying something to the effect of like, I feel for him or something like that. Talking about how he'd had a great season, but talking about it like past tense. And so we thought, well, maybe this is like a, an unreported injury. Apparently it was just like a demotion maybe that he was referring to because um, what's uh, Steno just it straight up said that the reason he went with Billy Turner was he wanted um, to go with the most experienced player. I think that they just really overthought things. And I understand that maybe you feel like you don't have any good options for your most important offensive line position for your playoff game. I get that, but they overthought it and it cost them, you know, look, Yash, I, I, I understand the, the reservations about Yash, but he did fine all year and he got you to the playoffs. This is just a, an instance where you don't overthink it. You roll, you, you dance with who brought you to the ball and, um, and Billy Turner hadn't played football in six weeks and he did not practice the week before at left tackle. He practiced at, at right tackle. And then the day of, Hey, we're going to put Billy at left tackle boneheaded overthinking. I just really disappointing to me. And I, I hope that um, I hope that there's some reflection and some learning from that. And look, do they win the game? If they put Yash at left tackle, I don't know, but I think that they really put themselves in a position where they were only going to be able to score 10, 11 points when you're putting out a, a lineup at offensive line that has not even practiced at that position all week. And you're putting in guys out there who haven't played in weeks. I think I don't remember if Dennis Kelly played the week before, but he had also missed some time, too. So that that was just really frustrating. It was. It was. L- let me ask you a question. I I wanted to ask you about something that also happened this week. I wrote an article about it uh, for Cheesehead TV. On, you think uh, I, write, I read your articles? No, I'm kidding. I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers basically announcing that he would not be attending voluntary yeah. OTAs this year. And while I don't think it's the end of the world, I am disappointed. Uh, yeah. Because... Look, he didn't go to OTAs the last two years, if I'm not mistaken, the voluntary ones anyway. Last year, he didn't go to any uh, because he was sort of, you know, in that dispute. But to me, when you have a, a, a room full of new receivers, a lot of rookies, he's never worked with Sammy Watkins before. I'm sure they're going to bring in at least one more guy, uh, a veteran most likely before the draft. They'll draft two or three new receivers. I want my QB one, even if he's not throwing a lot of passes, I want him there to work with, to get to know, to, to lay down the tone Mm -hmm. for the new receivers. Uh, I I am disappointed that Aaron Rodgers is choosing not to show up. Uh, Some people were very critical of my article. Some people were supportive. I was wondering what your take was. Okay, you you had a line in your article that I thought was really well written. Historically, Rodgers has had issues with new receivers. 
It takes time for them to win his trust. The two-time reigning NFL MVP. Uh, he's a four-time. Two back-to-back. Back-to-back. Yeah, well, he's two-time the two-time reigning. defending NFL MVP, but okay. I'm just saying, man, this, this man's resume is so impressive. We got to gotta really <laughs> pump it up here. Yes. So uh, he needs to feel confident that a receiver will be where he should be on a given play and that when the need to improvise arises, that I think is key. He and his receivers will be on the same page to have a successful play after the original call breaks down. Sometimes Rodgers never develops chemistry and trust with his receivers, and they usually fade from the team. Other times it has taken a year or two before receiver gains Rodgers' trust and becomes an integral part of the offense. Very well written. And I just want to, I just want to add. Uh, so Tom Clements, our new slash old QB coach. I, I just am a little bit surprised because so Aaron Rodgers specifically is the person who drags Tom Clements out of retirement. If I'm Tom, I'm calling up Aaron. I'm saying, are you kidding me <laughs> you dragged my butt off the beach in retirement where i was having a blast and i have to be here in stinking green bay wisconsin at otas working my butt off but you're too big and you're too important to be here i think not get your butt into town if i gotta be here you gotta be here too so i think that's a little surprising and look, does Aaron Rodgers need to be there for OTAs? No, probably not. I think, I I think that uh, if Week One against the Saints hadn't happened last year, I would be more emphatic in saying he definitely doesn't need it. But man, I I don't really want to be burning a freaking first round pick or two on wide receivers for Rodgers if he's not even going to be here helping to bring these guys along and actually playing with them. Mm-hmm. You kidding me? No, you can throw to Sammy Watkins. You can throw to Malik Taylor, and I'm I'm fine with that. I don't know. I, I I am frustrated because I do think it hurts the potential and the development of these young guys. You know, I look at 2018. We had three young receivers: Jamon Moore, uh, EQ, and MVS. And Rogers was so frustrated with them in training camp because they just didn't get it Mm -hmm. and he would just come to the podium and you know say something to the effect of just like you know basically i can't believe anybody is this stupid i don't know how why we're having to work on such basics here with these guys i'm just telling you man rookies take a while to get going uh so it's it's frustrating to me and and I understand that he has his own off-season program that he wants to work. I understand that he feels like he knows his body and what he needs. Okay, that's fine. But your choices affect more than just you. Right. And if you want us to draft high-round wide receivers, I want you working with them. So, look, Rodgers is a big boy. He can. He's got big shoulders. Um, when you're when you're in his situation as the the face of the franchise you're going to take some scrutiny and some um, uh, criticism and I'm dishing it out. Uh, Still love him. Still uh, think he's a fantastic quarterback. I don't like this decision and that's fine. You know what? That's fine. I I think that the team would be better overall if he chooses to attend and chooses to get to know these young guys and, and bring them along. 
and uh and and i also hope that uh Gutekunst, well i don't even have to say i hope i i know Gutekunst won't let any of this affect his decision on where he's gonna draft guys he's gonna no, draft. And, and nor should it but yeah and, and i think the other thing is this um by not showing up uh, and I didn't touch on it that much in the article, but I think it's also worth mentioning. It's a it's it's a style of leadership that I think is oh, yeah. deficient. Uh, I want even if he goes there and doesn't throw a pass, I want him talking to these young guys. I want him giving them you know pointers. I want him to say, "No, no, you need to do this on this play." I, I mean, I want the leader of this team, the you know, 18-year veteran, the four-time NFL MVP, the Super Bowl MVP. I want him there showing that he's leading, that he cares, and that he wants to work with these guys to make them better. How many times did we see Tom Brady hold private camps with his receivers before training camp started? Maybe Aaron Rodgers wants to do that. I don't know, but I'm disappointed I, I don't think it's the end of the world, yeah. but I'm disappointed that he is not even going to show up for OTAs. Even if he doesn't throw a pass, I think he should be there. Was there anything else from the uh, coach interviews that we need to touch on? I'm trying to think of um, if there were some guys who I didn't listen to that you, you got some um, interesting pointers. No, I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, Basaccia was the one I was paying the closest closest attention to. Uh, just because it's been such an area of pain for Packer fans uh, for way too long. So, who, who do you think was my Basaccio? Just based on what you know of me, who, who do you think I was the most interested to listen to? Uh, I, I think you you were going with the offensive line. I, I, I think, yeah, you do know me. <laughs> I, I know you. I, yeah, I, I mean, man. You're still you're still kicking yourself about that playoff game. I think we all are. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, John John Dunn was interesting to talk to as well. Um, I, I'm I'm sure we already talked about him um, on on the podcast when we hired him. But I, I like the hiring of John Dunn. Mm-hmm, um, me too. You know, uh, there was there was an immediate negative reaction to his hiring, which I understood because you're looking at it and you're looking at the title he had just held five seconds before the promotion, which was uh, uh offensive quality control assistant or quality control coach, something like that. He was right. just an analyst for the Packers. Yep. Yep. He was for one year. <laughs> it was, a, it was a reset for him prior to that. He was a very good tight end coach for the jets. He had terrible players to work with who never did Jack anywhere else. Um, what's the name of the guy? The Jets had a tight end who was really good for them. And then he went to Minnesota and just sucked. What was his name? <laughs> oh, it was so beautiful to watch. Was he played name? for the Vikings in 2021? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Who was that? I'm looking. Uh, Jets, Vikings, tight end. I'm just Googling this. What's the guy's name? Um, Not Tyler. Herndon? Chris Herndon? Chris Herndon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He was a... Uh, now, you look at like his grades and his stats, it wasn't like blow you away territory with the Jets. But man, he was awful with the Vikings. And he's not the only one. You look at every tight end who was working with John Dunn in New York, and they were not giving John Dunn 
good quality tight ends to be working with. He was taking these really rough prospects and turning them into gold. Um, and everybody, everybody got fired. Um, when Adam Gase got fired because that, that, uh, organization was just a disaster. Was, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing we never really talk about on this podcast is like our thoughts on other teams drafts, dude, mm-hmm. I was so not a fan of the Zach Wilson pick and I still, I don't get it at all. No, I know. Wasn't uh, wasn't my first choice either in that spot. But the Jets be the Jets. I mean, they, they look. They haven't had. There are certain teams, and and I don't want to go too far off on this tangent. But like the Jets, last Hall of Fame quarterback, other than one year of Brett Favre, was Joe Namath. Joe Namath. Right. The the, the, <laughs> yeah. the Lions, Bobby Lane. The Bears, Sid Luckman. Uh, there are teams that just do not pick up quarterbacks. And for whatever reason, you know, th- th- there's a rumor here in New York uh, that, you know, Joe Namath uh, sold his soul to the devil or the Jets sold their soul to the devil to win Super Bowl three, and they're never going to win one again. And it, it it's probably not true, but it seems more and more true with each passing year because this organization can't get out of its own way. But uh yeah. Um, well, that, you said that's what, like, with the Lions, I think it was, wasn't it Bobby Lane? Bobby Lane cursed them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and so, uh, NFL films put together this cool video about the, the Bobby Lane curse. I remember um, it. Yeah. So this was 2008 that they, that they, uh, made didn't they do an exorcism or something like that? I mean, <laughs> I think they did do that. Yeah. So, <laughs> So the Bobby Lane curse, 50 years. So it started, I think, in 1958. So NFL Films put together this video in like 2007 or something like that. And they're like, man, it's like it's about to be over. And uh, and he got these <laughs> interviews with like uh, the head coach, the GM at the time. And then like the video ends and then it, there's like a, a text pops up on the screen that says, uh, you know, this this uh, coach that you were just listening to got fired two weeks after the interview. <laughs> and you know, you're like, Oh, that was 2008. <laughs> the lions have been crap for 15 years since then. Oh boy. Anyways. All right. Um, we don't have time left today to keep dunking on bad teams. We'll do that uh, in the future. I'm going to keep trashing on um, some of the GMs. I think really stink like Howie Roseman. Um, <laughs> oh, and I, and I got a, a spicy opinion. Uh, I think uh, Chris Ballard. I don't like, um, for the Colts, but uh, we got plenty more episodes in the future to uh, talk about that kind of stuff. We're going to wrap this up. We're going to get out of here. We'll be right back here. And next week, follow us on Twitter at JJ Leahy at Gil Packers to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers talk on iTunes, Google play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. And thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not